Well, good morning, family. All of you here, all of you at home as well. I hope you had a good Christmas holiday, but we so often associate a good Christmas holiday with family and trees and presents and food. The great joy and the great wonder of Christmas is that God sent Jesus Christ to the unfaithful, to the unstable, to the broken and sinful and unholy to rescue us. Such good news. I encourage you to take your Bibles this morning and open to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 5. Two nights ago, Christmas Eve, if you were here, we looked at uh, a passage in John chapter 8. And it really at the time was a stunning, a stunning scene. We don't appreciate it as much in our day and in our, our time, but Jesus stood in the temple and there he declared that I am the light of the world. And it was an astounding statement. He was going back and pulling together things as he did so, imagery and words from the Old Testament that the people there knew and understood. He didn't have to quote them. He just stood there and said, I am the light of the world. He was identifying himself with the prophecies, uh, with words, for example, from Isaiah chapter 9, where he says that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He was identifying himself as the Messiah. He was also identifying himself as God himself. The text doesn't make a big deal about it, but it was stunning to the people who were there. So stunning that many of those who were there, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and others, would have tried to grab him and stone him. Later on, they try that. But at that time, Matthew simply records, no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. They knew what he was saying. They knew what he meant. It was truly an astounding statement. We looked at that statement a little bit two nights ago at Christmas Eve. Here as we come to Matthew chapter 5, we're coming to look at another astounding statement by Jesus. Even more astounding than that statement that we I just mentioned in John 8, if that's possible. We find this statement here in Matthew 5. It's for the beginning of what we often call the Sermon on the Mount. It's in a passage that we read earlier, actually, as we read Scripture together. We read here from Matthew chapter 5. By the way, just uh, this morning we're getting just a little sneak peek here into the Sermon on the Mount. That's going to be our study starting in two weeks through the rest of the winter and the spring. I said earlier through the spring, realizing that, wow, I'm just kind of projecting forward to the spring when winter actually just started. But winter has come, but we're going to be through winter and on in the spring looking here at this marvelous, marvelous message from Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. But this morning, just to skip ahead in the message because we've been throughout this whole Advent Christmas season 
looking at a theme of light, I bring this here to Matthew chapter 5 this morning in verses 14 through 16. It's early in Jesus' ministry, and crowds, great large crowds, have been following Jesus around as He has been working miracles and teaching. But it says here as Matthew 5 opens that Jesus, seeing the crowds, He drew aside, went up on a hillside, and sat down, and His disciples, His followers, came to Him. And He began to teach. The longest recorded sermon of Jesus, I'm sure that He said this material many times in to, to crowds when you didn't have uh, recordings, you didn't have video, and, you, uh, and as a traveling teacher going around, he taught things again and again. And uh, partly because you have all the different crowds, partly because for his disciples, they needed to hear it again and again, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 times before it begins to sink in. Kind of reminds me of us. We don't get it the first time. But here in this sermon, Jesus says many astounding things, as we'll see in the, in the weeks and months ahead. But this morning, Matthew 5, verse 14, follow along as I read. But you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It was a big deal when Jesus stood in the temple and declared there, I am the light of the world. It was an astounding statement. But it is all the more astounding It is all the more a big deal that Jesus, sitting here with His disciples, with His followers in front of them, declares to them, You are the light of the world. I don't think that many of us take the time to think what an astoundingly big statement that is. You. You, speaking there to His disciples, His followers, by extension, that extends to us. We, you and me, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, one of His followers, we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Not might be as if there's some remote possibility that somehow we might be the light of the world. Not we will be, that is, that someday it's an eventuality, someday long, far, far away from now, when we're finally good enough, we'll be the light of the world. Not that we can be the light of the world. If we try hard enough, work hard enough, live long enough, we might get there. He says, we, you, are the light of the world. It's a present reality. And that should astound all of us. Because you know me and I know you. (laughs) 
You're the light of the world. Really? Hmm. You are the light of the world. Now again, this sounds like and appears to be a contradiction because John 8, which I just quoted a moment ago and what we looked at at Christmas Eve if you were here, Jesus, when He said, I am the light of the world, we noted that there's an exclusivicity to that. He is not a light of the world. He is not a light to Israel. He is the exclusive light of the world, the whole world. Now, if Jesus is the exclusive light of the whole world, how can He say to you and to me, you are the light of the world? Oh, we found a contradiction of the Bible. Let's, let's go home. <laughs> or maybe it's not. But how can we explain both? Is, isn't Jesus the light of the world? Very much. John chapter 8. Here's what I quoted a minute ago. We'll read it again. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus also said, John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. But if Jesus is the light of the world, then how can we be the light of the world? Something else to notice. Jesus was going to leave one day. Jesus said this, John chapter 9, verse 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Implying that there's going to be a time when He's not in the world. And then He won't be any longer be the light of the world. Because He won't be in the world. John chapter 12, Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Guys, it's getting close when the light's going to be removed. So walk while you have the light. Jesus, the light of the world, was in the world as the light of the world, but He was going to leave the world. Next truth to notice from Scripture is that Jesus has made us lights in His stead. That's what he's saying here. He has delegated, he has given his light to us. As he went on to say in John chapter 12, verse 36, While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Believe in the light, walk in the light now while it's here that you may become sons of light, that we may... In some way, follow in His footsteps. It's very not clear yet. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 puts it this way. For at one time you were darkness, but now, here it is again, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In the Lord, through Jesus, we have become sons of the light, children of the light. And we are now, as Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5 in our passage this morning, we are the light of the world. It reminds me of when I was a kid, 
I grew up, some of you come from my generation, it's not as popular anymore, but I grew up watching westerns. That was the big thing on TV when I was a kid. Not so much anymore. But I would remember the scenes. It happened often when the the sheriff in town, the the lawman, the guy who's in charge, he would have to go off and chase after a criminal or he'd have to go rescue Billy from a cliff or whatever. And the sheriff, as he's about to leave town, he would grab Festus or Elrod or somebody and he would say, raise your right hand. And he would swear them in as a deputy. The deputy, what the word means, is someone that is given authority to act in behalf of the one who has the authority in the absence of the authority. So the authority is getting ready to leave. You're my deputy. You act in my place while I'm gone. That, brothers and sisters, is what Jesus has done to us. Jesus, the light of the world, has appointed us as deputy lights. We're deputies. She get a little badge. We are deputy lights to the world. Acts chapter 13, verse 47, the Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. He has made us to be, He has deputized us to be lights, Lights to the Gentiles, those who do not know God, those who don't know Jesus, that we might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We are God's light bearers. We are God's plan in the absence of Jesus to shine and to proclaim the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ to a world that is lost in the darkness of sin. This is our purpose, brothers and sisters. This is our mission here on earth. Why didn't God, the moment that you trusted in Jesus as your Savior, why didn't God just take you home immediately to go to heaven? Let me tell you, it's not because life here on earth is better. He left us here on a mission. Just as Jesus said in His Last words before He ascended to heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Do you remember His last words? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be My witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our mission is to shine as lights And in so doing, to take the message of salvation to those who have not heard. We are to be His lights to the world. Jesus continues here in the message. He says, you are the light of the world. And there in verse 14, He goes on, A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What does he mean by that? You can't hide a city on a hill. I don't know if you've seen pictures of the Holy Land. It's kind of flat down by the coast, but you go quickly up into the, into the hill country. There's hills and mountains everywhere. 
You put a city on top of a mountain and you can't make it invisible. You can't hide it. It's there. I realized something as I was studying this week, this passage, and I realized that I think I've missed a big point here. I always thought that what he's saying here, and I think he is, is that God desires for you and me as his light bearers, his deputy lights, he wants us to be very visible to the world around us. And that is true, and that's what I've always seen here, but there's more than that here. Because that's not what he says, is be, be like a city on a hill and be seen. He doesn't say that. He says a city that's on a hill cannot be hidden. You know what he's saying there? He's not just talking about that I want you to be seen. He's talking about the potential impact that we have as light bearers. You see, in a landscape that's mostly barren, it's all rural, it's all country, and you put a city on a hill, you can't not see it. You can't avoid it. You notice there's a city up there. And if people don't want you to see it, they can't hide it. We're not here. (laughs) Or don't see that. There's not a city up there, kids. You know, there's no gas station up there. You can't go. You know, there's there's not a toy store up there. We're on a trip. You know, you can't see that city. It's there. You can't avoid it. That's the point. As light bearers, he's saying, your light can't be hidden. No matter how much the world wants to ignore it, no matter how much the world wants to stop it and hide it and squelch it, it can't. Our light cannot be stopped by darkness. Light is a powerful thing. Darkness has no power over light. In a dark world, did you know this? In a dark setting, I should say, the light of a single candle can be seen over a mile. Some say much, much farther than that. It's fair to say, safe to say, over a mile. A single flame on a candle. He's saying here, the darkness of this world cannot stop the light of Jesus' followers. Even as John 1, you recall, spoke of Jesus, the sheriff of light, Jesus The supreme light bearer, John chapter 1, says the light shines in the darkness. That light is Jesus. And the darkness has not overcome it. You recall if you read in different translations, some translate it, the dark has not understood it or it has not comprehended it. Others it says the dark has not overcome it, which is right. Well, the word can be translated both ways. It's absolutely true that, that the dark world, the sinful world, doesn't understand the light of Jesus. But it's also true, it cannot overcome it. And it cannot overcome the light of Jesus' followers. As Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Understand, brothers and sisters, if we are not shining brightly in this dark world, it is not because the darkness is stopping us. Which brings us to the next point. Verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. 
No one lights a lamp. No one takes, I should have brought a little clay jar from from Israel that depicts an old style lamp that holds oil and has a little wick and you light. No one takes that lamp and that precious oil because oil was not inexpensive. And no one takes that and lights it and then goes and hides it. That's foolish. It defeats the whole purpose of light. The purpose of light is to shine. That's what he's saying here. And if our light as believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus, if our light is not shining brightly in the world, there's a problem. And it's one of a couple of problems. And I think he pictures both of them here in this verse. The first possible problem is that our light is blocked. Our light source is blocked. One thing we have to realize here is that unlike a candle, unlike a lamp, you and I as deputy lights, we don't produce our own light. We are not our own light source. Our light source is Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says that you and I as believers, we reflect the glory of Christ Jesus. We reflect the glory of the Lord and we are, by His Spirit working in us, we are, we are re- reflecting His glory all the more in increasing glory, little by little, day by day, as the Holy Spirit refines us and grows us and changes us, we shine His glory a little more brightly. But it is not our glory that's shining. It's the glory of Christ Jesus being reflected on us, being reflected by us. See, if I can put it in these terms, it's like the relationship of the sun and the moon. The sun is the source of light. The moon, you know, has no light of its own. It simply reflects the light of the sun. So when the sun hits it, the moon glows this bright white. And then at night, it lights up the earth. A month ago, we had a lunar eclipse. Did any of you get out and see that? Nobody knew it was happening. It was just right out a month ago, the end of November, we had a lunar eclipse. It was almost a total eclipse. For about three hours, the earth passed between the sun and the moon, and the sun's light was blocked by the earth's shadow from reaching the moon. And for about three hours, the moon was almost totally dark. And you see, the problem is for you and me, brothers and sisters, we are reflectors of Christ's light. But we stop reflecting the light of Christ when we allow something to get in between us and Him. In His glory, His light is not being reflected by us. We let sin, we let our own agendas, our own selfishness, all these things get between us and Christ, interrupt our relationship with Him. And our light doesn't shine brightly in this world. It gets partially or maybe even completely blocked out. It should not be. 
If our light is not shining brightly, though, in this world, there's one of a couple of problems. That's the first one. If that's the case in your life, it's time to confess your sin and forsake that sin. Repent from it. Change it. Change whatever it is that's getting between you and Christ. Because our mission, our purpose here is to be light bearers. There's another problem which our text here indicates. You see, it's foolish for someone to cover their light. It's foolish for us to let something else cover our light source so our light doesn't shine, so Christ's light doesn't shine in us. But there's another problem. He says when you take a lamp, not only does somebody not cover up the light, but they take the lamp and they put it up on a lamp stand. You see, because if the light is down low, there's some light, but the, the room doesn't get the real benefit of the light because most of it's blocked by all the other stuff. So you take that light, you put it up on a stand, and then it gives light to everyone in the house, he says. In other words, it takes a decision, oh, we've got light, <laughs> and a, an intentionality and some action to take that and say, we need to make this light show in the whole house. And we put it up here. And the problem is that many times we deputy light bearers, we live like the person that, yeah, I got a light here and you leave it down there on the floor. When he says nobody does that. If your mission is to be a light bearer, we need to be intentional to take the light and put it up and shine it out. And there's the problem is we aren't living purposefully. We have forgotten our purpose. We have neglected our mission. Which brings us to the final statement in our passage this morning. And it's a command from Jesus. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus begins with a statement, you are the light of the world, a declaration. You, my followers, you who are believing in me, you are the light of the world. He gives some illustration to explain how that works, what that is. And then he says, here's the command. So, live boldly for Jesus. Let your light shine. If it's true that we are the light of the world, then the command from Jesus is, and it is true because He said it is, then the command from Jesus is shine. Shine. He's not saying by that, make a big display of religion. You know, like some people want to do. Let's go find the biggest Bible we can find and we carry it around. And let's find whatever clothes we think it is that make us appear like we are, we are very religious and we're, we're Christians. So whether it's, you know, to wear all of one color, whether it's to wear a robe or whether it's to wear a Jesus t-shirt, you know, and we get whatever it is, there's nothing wrong with Jesus t-shirts, but it's just saying, it's not just saying we do, we do all this stuff so we look religious. So we can go all around and everybody says, Oh, there goes a Christian, you know, and we put a big somber face on, you know, we talk in religious songs, you know. It's not what he means at all. What he does mean, though, is that you and I are to be to live intentionally. We are to live purposefully. We are to live carefully and persistently to live as the most sincere, the most genuine, the most real 
follower of Jesus that we can be. It's not putting on airs. It's not putting on a show. It's being genuine. I am supposed to follow Jesus. And so I'm going to try to follow Jesus in every way I can. Whether I am at work or whether I'm in the schoolroom, whether I am hanging out with my friends or whether I am in church, whether I am at home, whether I'm on vacation, whether I am with, you know, whether I'm with my enemies or my friends, whether I'm with my children, my wife, or my dog, I'm going to live like a follower of Jesus. It should be evident to people around us that when they look at us, they see Jesus. That the character of Jesus Christ should show up in the attitudes with which with which we go about in our day. It should show up in our actions, the very things that we do. It should show up in our words. Did the words you used yesterday reflect Jesus? Did the words you used the day before when you were looking for a parking place at the grocery store, did they reflect Jesus? That's what he's saying when he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. By the way, he doesn't say that they may do it now. Peter, when he says this, he says that they may see and they may glorify God on the day that he visits us. When they stand before Jesus Christ, they have to say, wow, you know, I saw Jesus in the actions and the words of my neighbor. That's what he's calling us to do. Live boldly for Jesus. We're to do that, as I said, with our actions and with our words. We're to be light bearers, proclaiming the salvation of Jesus Christ. And by the way, it takes both actions and words. Some people, you know, some people think that all I have to do is just live like a Christian and people are going to come and try to find out, wow, tell me about Jesus because obviously you, you know something I don't know. That, no, it, it takes both. Some, we have to go and talk about Jesus. Jesus certainly lived like Jesus. He also spoke like Jesus. He proclaimed the truth wherever he went. We need to do both. It's doing words without... Backing it up with our life is useless also. It needs to be both. But I have talked to many believers over the years. I've heard from many folks who say, you know, Pastor, I get it. I'm supposed to be telling people about salvation in Jesus. But I don't know how to actually break the sound barrier. I don't know how to actually start a conversation that talks about Jesus without running people off. How do I do that? There's all kinds of ways to do that. But a few weeks ago, actually a couple months ago, I was having a conversation with John Wagner, who, who attends here. And as we were talking, he, he mentioned one way, and 
about that where he starts conversations, one of the many ways he he starts conversations about Jesus. And I thought, you know, that is a great tool that I would like to see in the hands of our people. And so I've invited John to come here and to share, just demonstrate very quickly, one way that he starts conversations about Jesus, and then we're going to try to put that tool in your hands, make it available to you in the days ahead. John, come on up. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You ever hear that song? Remember it? Maybe you can finish the next part. Hide it under a bushel. Oh, come on. Hide it under a bushel. There you go. The idea is to wake up our kids and when we give them that song, no, hide it under a bushel. What a, what a refreshing, simple little song. What a profound song, though. Hide it under a bushel. No. It can be so simply sung, so simply pronounced, and we tell people we should share the gospel. Then my question is, if it's so simple, why is it so difficult? The very thing that God commands us, and let me emphasize that, commands us to do as believers is to share the gospel. But here, as Keith mentioned, one of the hard things for us to do is how do you start the conversation? Many of you could take over, but what do you do coming up to someone who might be a stranger? What's the very first thing that comes out of your mouth? Uh, 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 and you walk away and go, man, I blew it again. How many, how many have done that? I've done that so many times. And God has put into my hand different types of methods. I like to call them icebreakers. Uh, some people don't like the word method, and and that's fine. But so God has put into my hand a special little tool, and uh, it's an icebreaker. And here's what it is: uh, it's a it's a penny with a cross in it. It's a cross penny. Uh, usually, the ones I try to get are uncirculated, so they're they're very shiny. They're very appealing. You look at them, they're, they're nice. And here's what I'll do with them. I will find someone, and it doesn't matter if they're a total stranger. I don't have to have friendship evangelism. And I'll give them this penny. Now, here's one thing that I do when I give it to them. I keep one in my other hand because I'm going to refer to it as I talk to them. And this is what you can do too. And I'll ask them this question. How much is a penny worth? And I give them a little time to think about that. You know, most of the time they'll stumble and they'll bumble. And I've even had people at my bank. I go talk to the tellers all the time. And you would think bank people would know what a penny's worth? <laughs> they don't. You want to find out how much a penny's worth? You talk to a young person. A penny is worth what? There you go. A penny is worth... You notice how the older people kept quiet? A penny is worth one cent. And so I tell the people I'm talking to, so I'm going to tell you the story behind the penny, and I hope you'll never forget it. Jesus was the one cent to go to a cross, and on that cross He paid every penny 
for every sin and every transgression we have ever committed. And to those who believe that, it makes a lot of, very good, it makes a lot of sense. But the preaching according to the Bible, the preaching of the cross to those who are perishing, to them it is foolishness. But to us that believe it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. What does that mean? I'll try to explain to people. It means this. That they can walk away from our conversation knowing that they've been forgiven of a lifetime of sin because of the cross. They can walk away from this conversation we have and know they're going to heaven when they die. But they can walk away also because Christ not only died and was buried, and according to the Scriptures, He rose again the third day because of the blessed resurrection, a man and a woman and children can be new creatures in Christ. The Bible says if a man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, all because of this gospel message. So a good buddy of mine, his name's Bob, him and I go out every year to some of the fairs uh, one being the Lincoln County Fair, which is always thousands of people come through the Lincoln County Fair fairgrounds. My buddy Bob, he rents a booth. Sometimes he rents two. One year we had three, believe it or not, depending on how many people come to help us. And we share the gospel with hundreds of people who come through there during the week. We use this method, but we have we have. Four or five others, believe it or not. I'd love to share those with you someday. But we share that. And uh, so last July during that week, we saw 12 people come to Christ. One being a man named Thomas, a young man, 28 years old. Thomas, that night, was radically saved. And I, and I use the word radically. You may not be familiar with that. Thomas came in an alcoholic and a drug addict. He left that night after receiving Christ. He gave up his drugs. He put aside his alcoholism. He even stopped smoking. He joined our Bible study that we have in my, my home. And he's been faithful to that for the last five months. Thomas went out and got a job. And he got off a disability from the government. Thomas joined the church. And last week, Sunday, when they had their candlelight service, he was baptized. That is the power of the gospel in people's lives. But let me encourage you with this one thing. I can't overstress this enough. When you get opportunities, and you will get opportunities throughout your life, if you look for them. When you share the gospel, the gospel is this. Christ died, He was buried, and He rose again the third day. Never exclude the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel. Sometimes we just throw it in because we think, well, we need to 
you know, put it in there. But we need to explain the gospel because the gospel is, and the resurrection in the gospel is what gives the gospel power and changes lives. Thomas comes up to Bob and I. He says, guys, teach me how to reach people like you do. Next year, I want to go to the fair with you. You see, that's what it's all about, too. It's not just about encouraging you to do it. Um, I, I believe God has called me for this one reason, is to equip people, to challenge, to, to motivate you and give you tools. Tools make jobs, difficult jobs, easier. So here's what I'm just going to say to you. We're, we got a little stand out there in the, in the foyer back with the other tracks. Pick yourself up, two, three, four of these, put them in your pocket, and as you go through this week, look for opportunities. Listen, you, you really don't have to look very hard. They're everywhere. Ask God to open up your eyes to them. Take the penny. There's a little card back there like this. There's not a whole lot because most of them were taken in the last meeting. And it, it'll help you refresh you to what we just talked about. Share the gospel with those people. Find here, find a sinner and practice on them. And then step back and get out of the way and watch God do a wonderful work in men and women in transforming them. So let me leave you with this. Hide it under a bushel. We're going to let it shine. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Some of you may say, wow, that's intimidating, that's scary. I don't think I'm able to do that. I'd say, you're not. Remember, we're not the light source. Jesus is. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. The power is in the message. The power is in our Savior, not in us. So let's do our part and let's shine. When you go out today, you'll find that, uh, what he's talking about, you'll find those pennies in this little display that's back in the breezeway on your way out in our outreach center. In case you didn't know we had one, we have one. And it looks like that. And there, besides that, there are also tracks and other things. Anytime stuff is there, it's free to take as long as we use it and as long as you'll use it to share the gospel. We want to be busy about the mission Jesus left for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace which rescued us from sin, has given to us new life, an abundant, full life. You've also given us purpose to be your image bearers, your light bearers, the bearers of the message of good news of salvation. Forgive us for often being neglectful, being preoccupied, even at times being caught up in ourself and in sin. Father, we desire to be busy bringing honor to Jesus, being busy with the purpose You've made us for. 
And most of all, we desire to see others come into the grace that we have received from You and to have eternal life. So Father, help us to be mindful, to be intentional, and to be active in shining the light, in living as the lights of the world that You have made us to be. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.